0: Welcome in. Welcome in. We are back in the Goat Zoom Room. Andy, we have a lot to discuss today. It is the week after what I would call probably the craziest Breeders' Cup I've seen. I've been watching for about 10 years now. I know you've been watching a little bit longer, but um, have you ever seen a Breeders' Cup like this? I mean, the one at Del Mar in 2017, I always said was the strangest Breeders' Cup, but once again, at Del Mar, there just must be something going on with this track. There must be some voodoo or some show like that, because uh, this was this Breeders' Cup was just very strange. What did you think about that?
1: I was actually okay with the 2017 Breeders' Cup. <laughs> I mean, my bank account says it was a good day. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, this year was really weird. It was just odd in so many ways. Um whether it's the whole deal with, with, you know, what happened on Friday to, you know, foreign getting fined way more than he should have been to the winners to Japan, having a bigger day than, than I think we all thought um, it, it just was, it, it was definitely odd. Um, but that that's what Delmar does. I mean, that, that's just a regular Del Mar meet really. And it just happened to be on the, you know, on the biggest stage possible. Yeah,
0: you're definitely right. I think strange things have always happened at Del Mar. Um, I've, I've noticed that I've been to Del Mar several times. I like Del Mar, but uh, it's just a very weird dynamic for the Breeders' Cup. And as you said, definitely a very strange running of the Breeders' Cup this year. Um, it's not that I did, Horrible on bets. Just what happened in these races was the least thing I expected to happen that I handicapped for. And I was like, you know, I considered this scenario, but I thought it was just so unlikely that, you know, me, that's something I didn't come into, like bring into account. Um, the Friday races, except for obviously the big elephant in the room, I didn't think were all that strange. I thought those kind of went without a hitch, but Saturday definitely, you know, with Japan winning the races they did kind of how the classic went and just other races, Charlie Applebee's big day, like it, it just kind of seemed like, you know, aside from go and a few other races that America just really wasn't prepared for this.
1: Oh, <sighs> And, you know, I'm looking back at the results as we're talking and, you know, I I kind of figured the Euros would have like a bigger, a bigger push for it with the non Lasix issues and all that. But the one thing that that totally that middle of Saturday that I realized was that they didn't have the turn of foot that I'm used to seeing from the Euros, like there's a turn of foot that they have. Where they're gonna quicken and they're gonna go buy horses from the states because they're used to doing that turn of foot later in the race. And a, a good example was Dabawi Legend. He he looked like he was a winner at the quarter pole, and then all of a sudden he just got swallowed up. Like, how did that happen? And modern games was coming from out of the clouds, and so. There were horses I thought would have a turn a turn of foot that that would propel them to victory, and none of them fired. And it was like, okay, well, um, I guess I'm completely wrong about this, and oh well, I guess there's next year.
0: Turnau was another great example with that. I don't know if she was just dog tired after the arc or what. I, I mean, I guess maybe a lot of these euros are used to running on turf courses, a little bit more given them the than the way um, the Del Mar turf course is, because it's, I don't want to say it's rock hard, but I mean, it's a pretty firm turf course, but yeah, there were a lot of horses. I mean, tons of Euros obviously won these races and the Japanese horses. So it was an international affair, but there were, man, there were, I just feel like so many of the favorites over the past two days, aside from, Echo Zulu, Cornish, and a couple others just absolutely didn't fire and had no excuse.
1: Nope. Nope. I agree. And I think with, I think with um, Jack Christopher scratching on Thursday night before the races, I think that completely turned the complexion around in the, in the juvenile for Cornish. And it allowed for the other two disormos to basically block any advancements of other horses because that horse was never getting caught uh, regardless of who was on the, who was trying to get to the front with him.
0: Yeah. That seemed like obviously a very easy race from with that scratch. And like you said, it did change the complexion of that race. I'm looking at the results in that race right now. Um, I spoke to Dale Romans a few days ago at Churchill downs and he really has a lot of confidence in giant game. Based on the way I've seen Giant Game run in his three or four starts that he's had and the way Papa Cap has shown experience, you know, we know what's predicted to happen with these Baffert runners leaning toward the Derby. So I'm I'm excited about the second and third place finishers like moving forward.
1: Um, I would be more excited if Giant Game wasn't trained by Dale Romans. I just (laughs) think that he always is high on horses and then, People start buying into the whole, oh, this horse is good, and this horse is going to do this, and this horse is going to do that, and then they don't do anything. So um, until until he actually proves that he can take a horse of this caliber and, and get it to one big, 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 big races, uh, I'll just uh, I honestly think out of this race, I don't think any of these horses are going to be um, there on the first Saturday of May. And someone will probably find this and there'll be six of them that are in the, in the Saturday race and are on the Derby race. And I'll be looking like an idiot, but what else is new?
0: I don't, I don't think you have to worry about six of them being there that I can tell you, I would think maybe one or two maybe Uh, maybe. would come out of this race, but I will say about giant game. One reason that he's particularly interested, interesting to me in this is kind of just like an offside thing is he's from the last cop, crop of Giants Causeway, there are only three horses running from, I believe, four or five foals that came out of that crop. All of them are winners.
1: Yeah, but Giants Causeway, I mean, the thing with Giants Causeway is he has and always will be one of the top stallions ever. I mean, like, there's not going to be another stallion like him. Um, and then I say that in Gun Runners now, it's starting to look like he might be one and Frankel and to bali and god knows who else so but Giants was
0: just so versatile
1: yeah you know um you know the funny thing is is that there was a point in time where war chant was getting like all of the publicity right and he was he was getting like everybody wanted to breathe to him and of course now he's like what yesterday's yesterday's story i guess you can say and um not the same not the same stallion he used to be if you want to say it but um you know, We'll see what happens with giant game. I just I just think if you were strained by somebody else, I think it would be different.
0: Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. And I'm going to kind of turn the page over to the juvenile Phillies. Definitely um, quite the opposite. I think this Philly could be anything. And I know this is a big statement to say, but listening to what other people have said that have obviously been around a little bit longer than I have, what I've seen and what I've studied echo Zulu could be anything like I'm, I'm not even going out on a limb here. She reminds me of Rachel Alexandra.
1: Um, she's something special. I would say, uh, her turn of foot is something else, but I think the thing that that makes her so impressive is, um, nobody wants to get near her. No. Um, and I mean I'm talking about the I'm not talking about the people that are taking care of her I'm talking about other horses it seems like anytime another horse gets near her they back up um, there's an air about her when she walks there's an air about her when she when she's in the saddling ring um, she knows it and you know the good thing is is that she's got that gun I think she's by gun runner she is so and she's got that gun runner personality where Gunrunner w- was never hot. He was always, okay, I'm just going to go and do my business. I'm going to go to the track. I'm going to do my job, and then I'm just going to come back. And she's got that same personality when she's galloping, and she's got that same personality when she's, like, walking, and, you know, she's she doesn't turn a hair, and that's the type of horse you want, especially when you start getting into a three-year-old season. Because she's way more mature than than most horses that are three-year-old now. And that's pretty scary to say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The numbers she ran in this race were on par with numbers for Phillies and mares and the distaff, staff. So that, that's not something you see very often. And I think she could be anything, but ultimately I think they probably keep her on the path to the Oaks. Versus taking on the boys, which. Oh, excuse me, I'm a proponent for, you know, obviously Phillies should take on the boys if they're that good eventually, like maybe later in the year if they're trying to go for a horse of the year type of thing. But she just reminds me of the type and the way this crop of colts so far, aside from maybe Cornish or Jack Christopher, um, I think she could wipe the floor with them.
1: No, she can. And I mean, Juju's map isn't, isn't that bad of a Philly. I mean, she's a nice nice little filly, but man, she just, she just had nothing for her and neither did Tarabi. And in in all fairness, I think Tarabi was way too close to the pace, but I think it was one of those situations to where you kind of had to pick your poison because how far back do you want to be on Echo Zulu if she's dictating the pace? And obviously that kind of hurt him. So. That, that was the bigger problem. And so Echo Zulu just had her way with everybody there, a small field. But I don't think, I think if there were 13 lining up against her, they would have still gotten
0: beat. I absolutely agree with you. And nobody was going to beat her that day. And I think she could have went around one more time, you know, two turns, no problem. She didn't turn a hair. You're absolutely right when you say she reminds you of Gunrunner personality wise. Because one thing I really respect about Gunrunner is yes, there were times in his career where he did get beat, but he wasn't the type of horse where it broke his spirit. He'd be like, okay, whatever. We'll try again next month. You know, nothing really bothered him. So she definitely seems like that type of filly to me as well, which I, I respect from a horse because that's something, not something that you really get very often with a horse. But so,
1: go ahead. Getting the Gunrunner real quick. I always laugh because a conversation I was having back in, at breeder's cup at san Anita when gunrunner was running for in the mile against golden sense right uh, i was talking to bruno de julio and i was telling him i'm like i'm like gunrunner if he if he runs as a four-year-old he's going to be a monster he's just going to be a monster and bruno's like no he's not going to be anything he's he's just going to be he's going to be a nice horse he can only get a mile i'm like you don't get it bruno the horse is coming into his own, and he's going to run huge today. And this was during that race. I don't think it was Golden Sense that he beat that got beat him. Who was the mile winner at Belmont? Oh, was it Tamarkus? Ani- was that who it was? I think so. I got to remember now. Uh, hold on, I'm looking for it right now. Keep talking while I look for it. Here we go.
0: Okay. I'm pretty sure it was so, Tamarkuz because I went back and watched that race not long ago because I just kind of is that
1: 2016? Yeah, 2016. That was ta- or was it Battle of Midway? One of those two, right?
0: Yeah, it was one of those two. I'm I'm not sure which one it was, but
1: yeah. So 2016 was Tamarkuz. So and you know um, he just he just looked the part then, and you know I think I think the one positive that Gunrunner had. I mean, now looking back at it, is he couldn't ship to the Pegasus because of the herpes equine outbreak.
0: I forgot all about
1: that. From Louisiana. So he couldn't ship. So Steve turned around and waited and shipped him to Dubai. And so he was a little fresher than everybody else when Dubai came. And I mean, he just blossomed exactly what I thought would happen, which I mean, rarely am I right, but this one I am. So (laughs) Um, I just think he's a nice horse. I, I just, I've always loved Gunrunner since the end of his three year old campaign into his four. Um, when I went to go see him at stud, he was everything and more just his attitude, his personality, the way he handles himself. And I just think it's, it's much, much what Echo Zulu has. And the air she has is just going to be unreal. And he stamped every single one of his horses almost identically which is scary.
0: I absolutely agree. I'm a big fan of Gunrunner, big fan of him being around him while he's at stud. He just is it, like you said, nothing bothers him. He, he just has such a great personality and he's, he's a joy to be around. And I hope he's around for many years to come, but moving on to what I would say is arguably maybe a bigger scandal then the fixed six, as we call it, back in the early two thousands for Breeders' Cup. Um, what is your take on what happened in the Juvenile Turf?
1: So, um, I was watching it at the airport as I was flying into, uh, as I was getting ready to go to Kentucky. But um, I, when when I saw when I saw the the two horse rear. I knew she was getting scratched. I knew he was getting scratched. There was no doubt about it. It just looked bad, even on the rearing and the way Frankie got off of that horse. It it just looked bad. So I knew she was getting scratched before anything. But to have modern games games get scratched just because was worse. And I don't know how you can justify still having a job after it. And I'm not just talking about the the vet. I'm talking about the stewards. I'm talking about you're you're in a million dollar race. Take two minutes to go back and look at film and see whether or not there's something there that says that he broke through the gate or something happened. Don't take the word of a vet that's going to be, that A was guessing and B didn't know what he was doing, obviously. Because he looked at the one horse and looked her up and down or looked him up and down He didn't bother to do it with modern games. He just said, up, up, scratch. You can't do that in a big event like that. So, man, that was bad. That's all I have to say. That was bad. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Everybody else has said the same thing. You know? Yeah. I I,
0: I don't think there's any other way you can sum it up. I I was watching it live like you were and um, saw Albar go down the gate. And I was like, well, that's it for him. But obviously, my top pick in that race was Modern Games. I really liked him. I liked him all week. We both liked him. We're talking about him. And then I saw, which I never thought he broke out of the stall to begin with. I, it looked to me like he was let out, got maybe 50 feet, and was led back, was grabbed by an assistant starter, and was pulled up by the jockey. So it, it was always just crazy to me that he ended up coming up as a scratch because... You know, a lot of times a horse that does break through the gate is scratched, but not every time. They're not an automatic scratch if they break through the gate. The vet has to take a look at them. So to think in a race of this caliber, the the vet was just like, oh, no, we're automatically scratching that horse before you even laid, laid eyes on him, before you watched a video replay. And keep in mind, there was a video replay because I've seen it multiple times. So the fact that this was just so rushed, you know, just as baffling to me. And another thing that's baffling to me is when Modern Games was taken out of the pools and people that had him got the post-time favorite, which ended up being Dakota Gold, um, Dakota Gold was actually kicked by Albar in the starting gate as he was the post number three. So the fact that that horse also was not looked at and probably didn't run up to his best, which, you know, a fifth place finish for him is probably... Maybe the best he could have gotten against that field anyway. He's still ran a great race. But the fact that that horse wasn't checked, but you managed to scratch the one and the two, uh, it blows my mind. It really blows my mind. And the fact that also we went back on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was and listened to some of the explanations from the stewards and some of the racing officials in California. And they're like, well, you know, we could have taken 10 minutes to put him back in the pools, but the sun was setting. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a couple of times where you kind of are, you know, this was a, a life, a life-changing payoff, right? That would have been a life-changing mm-hmm. payoff for somebody who who knows how much money they had invested in that horse. And then to get to get the one horse that I thought might be live underneath, but not to win that that that's the infuriating part it's like if you're going to do something like that and you're going to scratch horses at least let the public decide who they want to put up in front because i guarantee you a a lot of them would have been like i'm going to do tis the bomb because tis the bomb was live in that race after the scratch after after everything was said and done
0: Absolutely. Um, You know that we're both contest players, whether it be small or large contests, and usually you have an alternate pick, and Tiz the Bomb was my alternate pick in that race, so it worked out for me on paper, you know, payment-wise, but the fact that, you know, this whole show even happened just absolutely just made me infuriated, and it, you know, it reinforced what we believe, that Modern Games was the best source in this race. The betters were right, and the fact that he still won that impressively, after everything that transpired, you know, just further proves that the betting public was right, and they will never be made whole for it.
1: Nope, never. Just like the Kentucky Derby. And sadly, you know, um, I think somebody said it. um, I might have said it today. I overheard somebody say it, that maybe what needs to happen is, you know, the airlines have these, like, things where they're like, where you have like the passenger manifesto kind of deal to where, you know, airlines are given, um, these set of rules and these set of rules need to be followed. And if they're not followed, then, you know, then, you know, passengers can sue you. Well, why can't we do that as horse players? Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons. One, I've never seen horse players really agree on anything. Um, as much as we, I think we can agree on stuff we don't and i think that's the biggest issue so um you know it's just going to be one of those things to where people are going to talk about it nothing's going to get done and everybody's going to be upset and it was obvious based on the mutual pools and all that nobody really cared whether or not they got hosed out yesterday they just went right back to playing the phone the next day so it's one of those Brian. things
0: you know it it would be A travesty to see that at Mahoning Valley on a Monday, but to do it in a Breeders' Cup race, especially one that was a nightcap. mm -mm -mm. Somebody's shaft answered for that. But moving on to Saturday's races, I'm going to start with the Philly and Mare sprint. Um, I always thought Gamine was beatable in this race. I figured it was probably going to be Edgeway or Bella Sophia because I've always been a huge fan of CC, but I've changed or I have chased that mare for two or three years now. And I just thought, you know, maybe coming in, that this was a bit short for her and that she was training a little bit over the top, maybe kind of beyond her best years. But when I saw her, I was, I've never been so happy to be picked, kicked out of a pick four. I'll tell you that.
1: Um, I think I put it in the, in our, in our sheet. I said, you know, if this was her three-year-old year or four-year-old year, I would be so much happier to see her in the spot. I think she could win it. But as a five-year-old, she just didn't give me enough encouragement to say, okay, I'm gonna she's the one to play. And then I see her make that move, and I'm like, yep, oh, yeah, I was wrong. I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, going forward, I think we could say that what Breeders Cup did with all of the security things in place, I think it finally showed that that, you know, other than the 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 juvenile which I think regardless of whatever happened, I think Baffert was going to win that anyway with Cornish. um, Unless Jack Christopher was in it. Uh, You know, I I think all of the protocols that were in there made it harder for him to do anything um, allegedly. So I'm, I'm happy um, that it happened. I'm happy he got shut out this weekend on Saturday and, and only won one race, but um, you know, great for CC And you know, she she'll probably get some mention for Philly and Mary Sprint, but I think it's gonna go to Gamine.
0: Definitely agree with you. You could also make an argument for Bella Sophia, who ended up sacrificing herself to go with Gamine. And I always thought Gamine was beatable in that race, just wasn't sure who was gonna do it. Would have been interesting to see Sconson and Bell's the one in that race too, just to kind of see who was gonna take it to her and who was actually gonna beat her on that day. But at the end of the day, I, I thought she was beatable and Turns out we were right. So I think the next race in that sequence is going to be the turf sprint. And that was a race that I was a little bit surprised to be wrong at because I thought bone pal was the best horse in that race, but based on speed figures, he was going to have to move up considerably to win this race. And he did.
1: Yeah. Um, I I will be the first to say that I was not a fan of golden pal going in and uh, I was wrong. I also didn't think Lieutenant Dan was going to run that huge either. But then again, it was also the whole, it was my whole deal of the horses that I liked as far as the euros were concerned, never showed that turn of foot at five furlongs. I think it's a disservice to them to run at five furlongs. To be honest, I think maybe six is probably a fair, fair deal for, for all parties involved. Um and the race just set up for Golden Pal. He just got out there and he was gone. And that track that turf course was if you got to the front, you were tough to beat. You were tough to track down. And that's what happened.
0: I really liked Charmaine's Mia in there to price. And boy, she gave me a little bit of a thrill, but got up for third at um thirty to one. So that was that was good. I liked Kamari and Fastboat. And ultimately Kamari got too far back. So did Fastboat, which that's that's fast boats running style, but when you're going five furlongs, it's, it's a little bit hard. And I agree with you about it being a disservice to the euros because every time they've ever gone five furlongs, they don't have to do a turn. So it all, and you know, us horses are way quicker out of the gate. So it just set up for golden pal and, you know, shame on us for doubting him.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Let's get into the breeders, the big ass fans. Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. Uh, Was this a surprise to you at all?
0: No, I the as impressive as he won was a little bit of a surprise to me. I figured he would win this race. I thought the only um, danger was Silver State. I wasn't a big Ginobili person. Not that you know, there's anything wrong with Ginobili. He ran a really good second race, or he ran a really good second, but he was also almost 10 lengths back behind life is good. I just thought life is good really stood out in this field. And, you know, like I said, other than maybe silver state, which, you know, Ricardo yeah. Santana, you know, I don't need to talk about that. And the fact that that horse was on the rail, he had some notches against him. So life is good. Really was the only horse coming in this race that I didn't really see any fault. in.
1: Yeah. There, I, um, if I had to go back and pick this race, I'd probably pick life is good. And, not silver state and silver state of all the, of all the days to throw in that type of an effort was the more disappointing deal. So, um, it wasn't, wasn't a surprise. Life is good. Does what he does. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he doesn't get a mile and a quarter, but I said that about Mexico too. So I'll probably be wrong again. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It it was a great race and we move forward.
0: I would probably double down on that and say I'm not sure this horse can get a mile and a quarter. Um, But yeah, what what an exceptional performance and one can certainly argue, yes, his resume is a little bit lighter, but I think he's probably the best three-year-old in training.
1: Yeah, he is. I agree with you on that. Let's go over to race seven or the Breeders' Cup. This is is probably going to be your favorite race of the year, right? The Breeders' Cup, Philly, Mare, Turf, seeing how you were on top of loves only you since like she was a four-year-old.
0: Yeah, this is obviously this race meant a lot to me. You know, I played my whole day around this race, which so many crazy things happened after that it didn't really matter anyway, but this was, this was what I was really looking forward to. And she fit so well in this spot. I thought, you know, Warlike goddess was never going to end up being fast enough, but she was, there in the end, she did a lot better than I thought she would. My sister and that was a huge surprise. Um, Love and Adaria kind of having weaker years than they have in past, you know, kind of maybe being a little bit over the top. It doesn't It didn't surprise me. Um, I'm anxious to see what happens with the two of them. You know, Love may head to Hong Kong for one more tilt, but I expect both of them to head to the breeding shed next year. But nobody in this race really other than maybe my sister not surprised me and there for a while when I was watching this race I was sitting there with my hands clutched like oh my gosh please just let me at least be right one time but I didn't know if she was going to get the run of the race and she she was very blocked in right until about the last hundred yards
1: yeah she just I mean kudos I mean the jockey knows it. Kawada knows her so well that he just didn't panic on her and I think that that was the big, the big thing was he waited until something happened, and when it did, she wins the race. Um, I was happy for you with this one. I know how how excited you were with her. I know ex- how how much you probably had on her. Um, if I had that as much confidence as you did, I probably would have made like a gunrunner slash thunder, thunder, uh, thunder snow bet. Like I did a, a couple years back, but um, this was awesome. It was awesome for you, and she deserves it. And she's probably going to end up being maybe the top, the turf, the Philly, the top Philly mare turf star of this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting with the Eclipse Awards. I mean, she obviously only made one start over here, but you can't argue her resume for this year. Um, just how good it was, and. Yeah, it was, it was exciting and it felt good to be vindicated that Japan was bringing over really, really good stock this year because I know a lot of people laughed when I was like, oh, they're going to take home at least one trivia this year. People were like, they never bring their best horses. And I'm like, no, you aren't listening. This is one of their best horses. This is one time when you obviously really need to heed this caution. And I wish I would have gotten a little bit of a better price on her, but I knew kind of four to one was around what I was going to get based on the fact that some other people saw what I saw. So, but I'm sorry. You
1: know- I took, I took nine to five, eight to five or nine to five on, on gun the year. I hammered him and was happy with it. I mean, I just, you know, it, I was, I said that if Gunrunner was anywhere from seven to five to two to one or higher, I would, I would just take everything I had and just put it on him. And that's what I did. And I mean, I honestly, to be honest with you, as many people were talking about loves only you before the, before the weekend and heading into the race i honestly was shocked she was four to one so i if i would have known that i if i would have been smarter i probably would have had saved some money and hammered the crap out of her too but i didn't you know i'm glad you did i'm glad one of us did
0: <laughs> yeah definitely uh, your pick year. she ran a very strange race i don't i think she prefers at the end of the day i think she prefers softer turf I think they'll definitely keep her around next year. So she could be one to maybe look just, forward to you for just to,
1: just to let you know. Right. So I picked her on the podcast then I went back and looked at races and realized that loves only you was probably going to win. So I did have her on top in our sheets because I wasn't going to be dumb and think that my horse was, I was going to be the smart guy. I was going to go with you on that one. That was just, that was a no brainer. As far as the sheets were concerned to put her up on top, but as far as like, Price-wise, I had to go with throw here. She made
0: sense. Like,
1: you yeah, know, I
0: had, her, I had her ride underneath Love's Only You, you know, over Love and everybody else. So I, I thought she made sense and at the price. But we'll talk about nope. the sprint. Um, another, this is really our first taste of a heavy favorite being an absolute no-show. I do not know what happened in this race. This was very uncharacteristic. Of Jackie's Warrior, I don't know if the horse bled. I don't know if the horse flipped a pallet. You know, I I don't know what happened in this race, but Jackie's Warrior is so versatile and he is so much better than these horses that I was, I was absolutely stunned.
1: Uh, that makes two of us. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't think that six furlongs is his best distance. I think he can. He can win there, but I don't think it's his best distance. I think seven is his best distance. Um, But I just don't think – I don't think he was expecting to have anybody with him. And the fact that, you know, Rosario dropped him into the rail right after the start kind of hurt him. And that pretty much did him in. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, he dropped him down to the rail. He didn't even – I think if he would have kept him on the outside a little bit and kept him down the middle, I think he would have been running better, but there was no way anybody was going to beat Aloha West. That horse was absolutely motoring late. I mean, I haven't seen that in a long time and uh, I, I'm not going to knock the fact that, that horse ran his eyeballs out to win that race.
0: Absolutely. I was, I'm a big fan of Wayne Catalano, not only as a trainer, but as a person. So that was, definitely exciting to see and you know when i looked at this race i, I thought jackie's warrior was a standout but if, if i had like that second tier forces aloha west was peaking at the right time and you know he made sense i would argue that maybe his best distance is around seven six and a half furlongs as well but ultimately he got the run of the race and ended up and, winning
1: and I'll give, so, I'll give credit to i'll give credit to optics on this when i was looking at the optics form for this race they had aloha as a big square i mean like a flipping monster square and they had they had jackie's warrior as a small little circle and he was above the the par line that you want to see in in the fourth in that fourth corner so he was alive but you know it's one of those things that do you really think aloha west is going to be jackie's warrior on any given day this is so wrong I don't know why I'm looking at this. I know Jackie Warrior is going to win. I'm going to throw it out. I'm just going to go with my pick. I was wrong.
0: I will admit I was very wrong. I had yeah. all, all confidence in the world to single Jackie's Warrior on all tickets. And, you know, why Why wouldn't we have had that type of confidence? He, he's, you know how he's been all year. One of the best three-year-olds. Definitely the best sprinter. So, strange race. But moving on to the Breeders' Cup mile. Yep. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Space Blues could get a mile. I really didn't. I, I played against this horse, but I did include him on some things just because he is a favorite and he had a good resume coming in. But it, it, I wasn't really ha- happy with him as the favorite because he has been kind of beating up on lesser horses in Europe. He's never faced the Baye, the Palace Pier, the poetic flair of the European world. And I, I, quite frankly, you know, if he was going to get a mile, it was going to be at Del Mar with the tight turns but I really just did not think he would get a mile. I was using him as an underneath horse. I, there were other horses in there that I liked much more that finished last and third from last. So that tells you how my day went in that race. But, you know, the top three finishers, smooth, like straight and Ivar underneath, I would have never had that.
1: So I agree on smooth, like straight and Ivar. I will say, and I think I, t- I texted this to you, like right after the race, that blowout, not going to the front or not getting the lead two jumps out of the starting gate, pretty much ruined it for basically screwed her up to the point mm-hmm. where she she was done. And so, the fact that that happened pretty much says everything you need to know about what happened with that horse. So, I I, that really hurt that really bothered me because I really I actually started enjoying the Kool Aid of her, maybe possibly winning and paying a price and making me money. And she didn't. (laughs) So, I
0: I never expected smooth like straight to blast out the way he did, you know, based on speed figures and replays I'd seen. I thought she was going to get the jump on him for sure. But I don't know if she was just a little bit slow out of the gate. I don't know if she was bumped a little bit based on where she was coming, but. As soon as, you know, three strides in, that she didn't have the lead. I was like, well, that's toast. So then I went to Mo Forza and God, I have no idea what happened to Mo Forza.
1: He's still running, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he might be turning on, on, uh, via, <laughs> via Del Valle right now. Or Jimmy complete,
0: complete anomaly, you know, just goes back into show saying like all of these races were weird to me. And you know, we'll move on to the weirdest of them all, the distaff. So you know, <laughs> okay, obviously, so, uh, go ahead. full
1: full disclosure on this. Um, the races the races were being, so here was my dilemma the other day, the other day during the races. I was flipping back and forth in the hotel room between Breeders Cup and a m football and so during A&M football they were on a drive so I had to watch that and then I realized that the race went off and I didn't get to catch it so you're gonna have to fill me in on what happened
0: so you totally missed this race I did but did you see the replay
1: no Obviously. I didn't see the race at all I'm telling you oh. tell me what happened
0: well, obviously, you know that the Japanese horse won and paid a hundred bucks to win. That she was... that I do
1: know because I was like, "crap!" I looked at her and I threw her out. She was the first throw out. I should know better after.
0: We should know better
1: after the arc this year.
0: She was my first throw out, no matter what. And you know, <clears throat> you can run this race a hundred times. Ninety-nine times she does not win this race. It just she was in the right place at the right time. And what's even crazier to me is her jockey Ocean Murphy has never rode on dirt and they come in and it just, it was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And when I was looking at this race, you know, same trainer as loves only you, you know, maybe I would have thought to give her a look, but I think this is one of the best best I've ever seen, you know, two Kentucky Oaks winners, Latruska and multiple other grade one winners. I think Marshall rain other than maybe as time goes by and private mission nope. was the only non-G grade one winner in this race.
1: Okay. And I was gonna say, I thought you were trying to figure out which horse which race. I would I will always argue that the personal ensign race is probably the, the strongest distaff race ever to be run. That no, one I, I absolutely agree with
0: race. you there. That wasn't the to race one. I agree with you there, but, like, in the terms of depth, this was a very, very unusually deep distaff. and when you look at Marsh Lorraine's form, she has good form for a Japanese runner, but she's winning grade twos. She's not winning grade ones. She's not beating the best dirt filly and mares over in Japan, which, you know, turf is a little bit more popular in Japan, but you know, they have some good dirt runners as well, but she's not even in the top tier of dirt runners in Japan, let alone a top horse in Japan. And she's running in Northern Japan, which the races are far less classy and the horses are far less good. So when I looked at her, she was the top horse I threw out. I thought, you know, they just needed a companion to come with loves only you. Like, I get it. They've always trained together. They're buddies, you know, whatever. But when I was watching this race live and I remember her and Dunbar road hit the line together. I never thought Dunbar, Dunbar, road got by her. Never. So this race to me was, like I said, you could run this race a million more times than one out of a hundred times. She wins this race. And this just happened to be that time. This just happened to be her day. Kudos to the, to the connections, you know, good for Japan. I really hope stuff like this, makes international connections from whatever country want to come over and be like i can win these races too
1: agreed agreed i mean i i threw out dunbar road too i mean i'll be honest um malathot was my horse and i didn't think Latruska was going to win um so i mean it's just one of those things that just happened it's just one of those races but I did watch the last two races, so we're good on that.
0: All right. Well, we'll move on to the turf. Another edition of a heavy favorite does not fire for whatever reason. I think Turnout was just maybe a little tired from her arc run, and you know the season was just starting to come up to her because she's had three really hard races in a row with not a lot of time. She only got back the races I think in like August or September. So yeah. she had a lot packed in together and even though she was maybe going to bring her B game or her C game, I thought it was better than everybody else's. And she finished, she finished near the back of the pack, which was a little bit surprising to me. I thought maybe she would just still run her race and finish a second or a third. I never dreamed she would be off the board in the back of the pack, but um, your didn't surprise me. If Tarnawa was to lose, he was my other choice in that race. And I liked Tribble. Did I, did Mont- I say well. that
1: on the show? I don't remember. What did I say? Yabir, I don't remember.
0: Yeah, we talked about Yabir.
1: But did I say he was my top choice? I don't remember. I am to go back sure and if, listen to it.
0: I'm not sure if we agreed on Tarnawa, but I know we both liked Yabir as you know, if somebody's gonna upset this race, it's probably him. Yeah. I spoke with a few other european friends of mine and they thought it, this horse was never going to be fast enough to close in and win this race and when i was watching the race god i was paying attention but i couldn't hear the race call because it was so loud based on the silk colors i thought it was Bolshoi ballet i was like what the hell um i didn't even realize it was you beer until after the fact when i saw the fly emirates on the silk um i think the biggest thing that surprised me out of this race was how good room ran for a second
1: yeah Agreed. Very, very much agreed. I, I think I honestly didn't think that horse was going to fire. Um, it, it goes to show you, I mean, the long chomp races that were the long chomp race was pretty, those races were pretty stout with good horses and uh, you, you can't knock it. You can't knock what they, what they did and uh, I can't wait to see it again.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, ultimately ended up being taxing races as well. One horse I'm really looking forward to next year is Tayona. Ran a very big third in this race. I always thought she was capable of hitting the board. Didn't think she was quite good enough just yet to win, but she's going to be a hell of a filly next year.
1: Yeah, she is. She's going to be great. All right, let's get to the classic before we talk about a couple other things real quick. But, um, I mean, it was... You know, I hate saying that that Enrique Taran is right, but he was dead right. He was honking his horn on this horse the entire time. To be honest with you, if I would have if I would have actually paid attention to the morning line odds and saw that he or not the morning line odds, but the the odds at the during the race or prior to the race, I probably would have put money on him because he was three to one and just hoped he made it. Instead I put it on hot rod Charlie. Um man, that was a good race by Nixco. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. That was incredible.
0: It was probably one of the best performances I've seen on the classic. Um, you know, this race could have turned out one of two ways. Either somebody goes to Go, they blast off, they set off warp, warp speed fractions the way they did in the distaff and essential quality hot rod Charlie or somebody else wins. Or Go is just too fast for everybody and walks the dog the whole way. So that ultimately ended up being what happened. I bet for the latter, even though I didn't include NextGo just in case this did happen. But a lot of people were very upset that Medina Spirit never pressed him. And I never thought Medina Spirit was going to press him ever. We've talked about this. I, they know Medina Spirit's not fast enough to go with NextGo. So I believe the connections of Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, and I, I truly believe Brad Cox thought Essential Quality was going to get there. He seemed a little disappointed that nextGo won. Uh, Which, whatever, but um, I thought that a lot of these horses, you know, once that gate opened, okay, I'm gonna get the best placing I can, especially Medina Spirit, you know, trying to lock up a championship. If Nick's Go is going, going, gone, yeah, you obviously want to try to get that show or that place spot.
1: Yes, I agree with you on that. Um, I just don't think the race set up for essential quality. He was way too far back. I think Luis had him so far back and I can see why Brad would want to win for, for Godolphin is because, you know, he wants more Godolphin horses um, who wouldn't want to win for Godolphin compared to winning for, you know, you know, the, the KNA or whatever next Korean racing associate authority. Right. Um, they have horses, but they don't have the caliber of good dolphin. So of course they, so, you know, you're going to be disappointed in that. Um, Hot Rod Charlie kind of disappointed. I, I thought he might, he looked like he was going to run a big race and then he just spit it. And it wouldn't surprise me if Brad, if, uh, if Oneo came out and said that the horse bled, because I mean, he stopped. He literally stopped and I've never seen that. So um, actually I should send a message to, Sean and see what he says about it and see if she, he bled. Uh, but man, you can't, you can't knock Nixco.
0: No. And I hope they go for another tilt at the Pegasus to defend that title in there. I heard life is good is pointing for that race. So that could be a huge matchup. That would definitely be a blockbuster type of thing, but Nixco retires after that to spend or a uh, tailor-made farm. Essential quality is already going to be shown tomorrow at Darley. So those two are going to be put away after this year and we'll look to the future, but ultimately going to end up being a very stacked handicap division.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be good for next year. Um, You know, I'm not going to worry about anything until probably February as far as who might be the, the handicap horses and all that. I think that's when they'll, it'll be a little bit more kind of like it'll open your eyes and see what's going on but i agree with you i think it's going to be it's going to be fun the next year going forward and i'm glad that we'll be along for the ride and be able to to do something with it so it's kind of cool and fun to do it um a couple things personal note um for those that may not have seen it congratulations to you obviously uh for being a paddock analyst over at Churchill Downs and for Turfway Park. I think that's awesome for you. And I think you're, it's well-deserved and how exciting was it to do it for the first day? Nerves?
0: I was definitely nervous. And when we were doing, you know, run-throughs and stuff, um, it was funny when we were doing my, my first run-through um, I sounded like a complete dope. And they were like, Oh my God, what have we gotten ourselves into? This girl is just, you know, bad, but it happened that there was something going on with my mic. Um, I had an echo in her e- in my ear and I ended up not being able to, I was hearing myself from a bunch of different places. So when they dropped my mic, it was obviously much better. And I felt confident for what is, I was able to accomplish. I think what I'm really looking to do is really immerse myself in Kentucky, you know, circuit racing, get to know all of these jockeys, trainers, and get to know all these horses that are, um, you know, maybe on some of the cheaper sides, because those, I know the stakes horses, I know the allowance horses, but these are going to be the bread and butter. And these are going to be the earlier races on the day that I'm going to be talking about, especially, you know, if I go on and do things at Turfway, which hopefully that's in the cards as well. I, I would think, you know, it probably will be, and I will be back for Clark Handicap weekend at Churchill being in the paddock again, but it, it was, it was very exciting. You know, Joey, Scott and I, as well as the production and the camera team, we, we all get along great. And I feel, I feel right at home there. So it's just kind of, you know, nice to feel all of your hard work pay off.
1: Well, I mean, I think I've said it multiple times and I, I said it in in like privately to you when we've been talking is you know, as many platforms as you've been on, you've deserved to be on the highest one. And um, I'm glad you can, I'm glad you finally have hit it to where you're at the biggest one, uh, as far as that's concerned. And like I tell you, uh, Chris Griffin gave me the best advice ever when it came to doing the shows, doing the paddock analysis, or even doing like a pre-race show. It's just go out and just give it energy whether it's a maiden 10 or maiden claimer 10 or a grade one stake race it doesn't matter they all, all the owners want to hear your enthusiasm for them and you know that's one of the reasons why we kind of cover different tracks that other people don't because a lot of these horses don't get the a lot of these racetracks you're going to see them run somewhere else and if we like them enough to put them on top somewhere that's going to be one of those things to where people are going to maybe want to bet it, you know, it's, there's a reason why we do well at certain tracks. And um, one of the reasons is because we know the horses so well.
0: Right. So I'm definitely looking to, you know, really get more familiar with those horses between now and, you know, Clark week, I'm going to watch every Churchill Downs show. I'm going to do all my research, you know, kind of, do mock selections. Oh, excuse me. Kind of along with the guys while they're working on the set and kind of see what I can learn, obviously, from them. And I'm definitely down for any pointers for anybody and any critiques. I'm going to watch myself back a few times as well. But it, it, was, a, it was a huge milestone in my career. I, I will say that.
1: That's awesome. I'm glad for it. Uh, Kyle, say anything? Did he, <laughs> did he give you any pointers on what yes. to do?
0: He was very excited and actually um, he was super excited for the Breeders' Cup. This is the first Breeders' Cup that we've been together and obviously he's getting super into racing and he, um, funny story, um, he actually came on Saturday because he wanted to bet the Breeders' Cup races while I was working and obviously wanted to see me work. Um, He bet for the first time on the machines himself and I'm pleased to report that both of his tickets hit and none of mine did. So... When I was working, he went and bet one play show on Charmaine's Mia. Obviously she ran third. She was 30 to one. And another time while I was doing the last race, he came up to me. He goes, I better super box in the classic. It hit. So you know, did you, he's
1: Did you let him know that it's not good to, to bet those kinds of things? What do you mean? Well, technically he's not supposed to be betting one play show. Come on. That's like a well, rookie thing mean, to do. I'm just playing
0: one shot. <laughs> I'm
1: just playing. I'm just playing. So, Joe, no, I
0: w- I, w- I was proud that he, you know, cares about it and gets into it, and we we split a couple pick fours and pick fives, and it was it was super enjoyable. So it was a great weekend, and I'm just gonna kind of take the next couple weeks to really study up, decompress, and just you know live in the moment.
1: That's awesome. A couple other housekeeping things we'll be on next week again. We don't know who we'll have on, but we're going to try to effort somebody. The other somebody. thing is the other thing is that if you have if you by chance happen to hear the entire episodes of these podcasts, whether it's at the beginning or the end, or even in the middle at some point in time, we might end up getting interrupted by Buzzsprout, who um, is now part of our um, how can I put it, our sponsorships. So, you know, anybody who's looking to do a podcast or anything like that with Buzzsprout, please feel free to look them up. They have all types of uh, sponsor or podcasts available to where you don't even have to pay a dime to start your own podcast and see whether or not you like it or not. Uh, so uh, we've partnered up with them. Uh, we're looking at a couple of other sponsors, but right now uh, it's Buzzsprout. I got to talk to some dude that does some sort of thing. Also guys, uh, and I know Caitlin will say this, please, please, please. If you are on horse racing Twitter and you see Ed and Cooter doing a spaces, please give them a listen. They're pretty funny. They're pretty good. And, uh, you know, they're pretty knowledgeable. So I think it's important that they get it. Don't you agree, Caitlin?
0: I absolutely agree. I've enjoyed everything they've put out so far and obviously want to give a shout out to Ed for being just a huge resource and a big help for me, you know, going forward with everything that I've been doing in my career. So they're, they're certainly worthy of a listen. Not only are they super knowledgeable in this game, they're hilarious. So, you know, if you're looking for not only, you know, information or just a laugh, You can't go wrong there.
1: No, you can't. And on occasions I'll pop in and I'm sure Caitlin will pop in and irritate them. And, um, and, uh, that's always fun, but thanks for listening. It's another week gone by next week. We're going to effort to get somebody on here. Maybe we'll get Ed DeRosa. Maybe we can talk him into maybe now that he doesn't work for Twin Spires. It might be easier.
0: Maybe. Have a
1: good one, y'all.